Happy New Year. We are delighted that you're here this morning. Um, and, you know, this morning is a big day for lots of folks, um, in particular in my world that I'm living in. Uh, tomorrow, I do something that I've never done before. I start a new school. Um, we are taking three language immersion programs in Rock Hill. We're putting them under one roof at Cherry Park Elementary School of Language Immersion. I think we have officially the longest elementary school name of anybody in the world. Um, but tomorrow, we covet your prayers as we get started um, with a new faculty, family, kids coming from all kinds of places, and lots of excitement for that uh, going on. This morning, uh, it's really funny because uh, there was a high school kid. My wife teaches uh, at Fort Mill High. She's a chemistry teacher. Uh, if you have had her, I do promise you that that is probably one of the best teachers um, you've ever had. You probably didn't think that when you were in her class or are in her class, but she is. She is awesome. And there was this high school kid who came up to her at Fort Mill High and said, hey, I know your husband. And she said, oh, you do? She said, uh, he said, yeah. He said, he works at First Baptist in Fort Mill. And uh, she looked and said, no, he doesn't. Say, yeah, he does. He's always like uh, welcoming people and, and stuff. And uh, my actual day job is I'm a principal. Um, and probably more important than that to me is I'm really just a teacher. Uh, I started my career, went to, uh, to Furman. And, and quite honestly, I was heading to seminary in high school, felt called to go into the ministry, was going to be a youth minister, um, got to um, college. And my dad said, you can do whatever you want to. You can go to seminary if you want to. It's a great plan. But hey, dude, make sure you have a marketable skill at the end. Eating helps. Um, and being able to have a roof over your head, live inside and drive a car, you know, so you got to pay the bills. And uh, that was great advice um, because in that process, when I was in college, I student taught and, and just really heard from God hey, dude, I've got people who are going into youth ministry. I want you to go into a different kind of youth ministry. I want you to go into a classroom. And so with great excitement, I'm like, okay, I hear you, God. Change. Um, I got it. I got the message. Um, and I will go. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to save the world. I'm going to make a difference in the world. Let me add them. Give me some kids. I'm going to graduate. Hey, I'm there. I'm there for you. I, I'm, I'm going to do it. Well, summer came after my senior year. No job. No job. I mean, that was the 1991. It was a down economy. Everybody was scraping to get jobs. Got hired at Rollins Road Middle School the week before school started. And I was like, yay! Okay, I don't have to go and work at Belks or, you know, find, find um, you know, a, another job just to make it and get by. Um, so taught eighth grade South Carolina history for seven years. And um, I walked in with the thought of, okay, I've got this, been training, student teaching was a blast, no problem, I've been working with kids, you know, all this kinds of stuff. And in fact, had worked with your youth group way back when at different camps and, and things like that. And then reality hit. Eighth graders. Eighth graders. And I'm like, huh. I don't know where these kids came from, but some of them need to go back. <laughs> you, if you have been an eighth grader or have one, you know, we've been like that and, and such. 
And, and got to be honest that my first year teaching was a train wreck. Oh my gosh. I've said this a hundred times. If I could find all of my kids that I taught my first year as an eighth grade South Carolina history teacher, I would apologize to them. I would give them a hundred dollars and say, please, please, please forgive me for, for what you never learned that year that you should have. And along the way, in that process, you know, it was the day I remember it, and I was like, I don't know if I can really do this or not anymore. Maybe, maybe God, what you called me to do, um, maybe I misunderstood. I received the call, but it was the wrong number, and, and you know, hey, this really isn't for me. And, and yet I knew I had to finish at least the year, and so I thought, gosh, what can I do? And this is what we always do. I need help. I mean, that was, that was literally the thought. Finally, I got to the end of my rope, and I, I, I thought, okay, I've really got to have help. So I walked next door to a lady named Betty White, and I said, Betty, I am a ball. I think of Benny Wade every time I say this. I am a ball lost in high weeds. I have no clue what I'm doing, and they're, you know, running crazy and stuff. And luckily that year, my first year, I was very blessed to have a number of other ladies. I was on a teaching team. They were about the age of my mom at that particular point. And of course, I didn't want to listen to them, okay? They were telling me, but I didn't want to listen. Finally, I figured out I needed to listen to Polly Vaughn and Vicki Pertusit and Fran Hancock and figure out a better way to be able to, to teach. And, and, you know, through their influence, um, God bless, I did and, uh, and learned a ton. You know, I realized then that first year, gosh, I can't do this thing alone. I really can't. You know, Jeff has, has talked a couple of months ago about um, the five G's um, circled around uh, grace first and foremost, that as a follower of Christ, we would go, we would give, we would go, grow, and we would gather. And just going to talk about the other three, but I want to talk about gathering. Um, this morning and what may be a difference that it can make. Um, this morning, you know, as you're kind of hanging out, there, there's a couple of different groups that I want to talk to. First group is, if you are kind of in a group or you're kind of a group leader and things like that, I hope that maybe by the time you're done, you might think, oh, you know what? I maybe need to help steer this thing in a little different direction. Maybe that would be where, where you are. Um, and when we're talking about groups, could be a Sunday school class, could be an ABF, could be a Sunday night class, could be a class you group, uh, get together with or a group you get together with at work. Um, could be any time, but especially we're talking about groups that focus on, you know, um, trying to move people closer uh, to Christ and what Christ desires. So for you as a leader, you might kind of hear something this morning and say, okay, you know what? I, I want to take that and, and help uh, others to, to move closer to that. You might be in a group of some sort, okay? Might be in our church, might not be in our church. Um, in, in your place this morning, you may hear and think, you know what? Okay, I want to really invest more in that particular group. And, and here's how I think I can do that. Now, for others of you that, that maybe aren't in a group, and quite honestly, for those of you that maybe this was your New Year's resolution first Sunday, I am going back to church, okay? We're just glad you're here, okay? Please show up next Sunday to hear the guy who does this a whole lot better than I do, okay? So, so come back is, is what I'm saying. Um, but for those of you, this is just your first time here. You're just hanging out. We're just glad you're here, 
whatever you hear from this point on, um, I, I hope some of it will make sense and things, but, but come back and keep coming back is what we want to say. But, but you also know that maybe in a place where, you know, I'm, I'm really not in any kind of a group and, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. And quite honestly, I want to talk about what a few of them might be, because I get it. I mean, when we're talking about being in a group and we're talking about gathers, gathering with others, um, it, it's not always easy. This is the gather part, okay? Um, I mean, why would you really, if you haven't been in a group, why would you want to do that? I mean, number one, are you kidding me? And you know that I would schedule another meeting for the crazy busy schedule I've got. I mean, my kids are doing this. My, you know, I've got this going on. Work is hard and stressful and all that kind of stuff. Hey, I don't have enough time for this. You might also feel like, you know, groups are weird. Okay? They're weird. I mean, it's awkward. You're in maybe a circle instead of rows. I mean, what's that about? You might also feel like, hey, I don't even have enough time to get done what I should be doing. I, I mean, if I, if I give up time to go spend time with other people and gather with them, you know what? That's just one less opportunity I have to do something for me. I mean, dude, you know, basketball season is upon us. Football season wrapping up. I mean, you know, those are really important things, and I get it. Um, hey, Pat. I've been in a group before. I was in a group one time. The, there was this guy, girl. They were weird. I mean, they were weird. Just kind of know that probably that other person looked at you and said, gosh, you know, that person's really weird too. So just know that's a two-way street. But, you know, people are different in groups. I mean, uh, I, not always do we control who comes and into group and, and, and such. Um, hey, man, with the busyness we got, got to figure out what to do with my kids, all that kind of stuff. Our church is here to help with that. But that's kind of another reason. Sometimes that's a lot of effort to get them where they need to be so I can be in, in where I need to be. And, and in a group, you know what? I'm kind of an introvert. I mean, I don't like talking in front of people. And in fact, um, I've been in groups where, where I've had folks that, that said that and did that. And, and to be really honest, that was okay with us. We were just glad that you're there and, and such. But, um, you know, I might have to talk. I might have to like respond and answer a question or feel like I have to and things. I would just tell you, even if that's where you are, um, I would, would encourage you to engage and just go and hang out and, and see what happens. So I get it. The groups aren't necessarily always that easy. Um, this morning, I want to be really, really, really simple. Um, when I think about Jesus and, and the disciples, I just want to try to do whatever he did. And, and I kind of figured that if I do what he did in the time that he was on this planet, in this world and such, that's probably a pretty good thing to do. And so what makes sense to me is that Jesus uh, chose 12 guys and said, we're going to do life together for about three years and then I'm out. And that's how he spent all of his time. Certainly the cross Death, burial, resurrection was ultimately his target on the wall and, and, and salvation of all mankind. Absolutely, that was the, the, the goal why he came. But along the way, he spent three years with 12 guys. Not with 50, not with 112. And he did that every day. 
And if he did that, kind of what I want to talk about is, is why wouldn't we maybe consider doing that as well? Now, by the way, too, we're going to do some turning talks, turning talks. So you're going to find somebody, kind of talk to them just a minute along the way. So uh, do that. This is, that'll be the interactive part of, of what we're going to do. You got to remember, I'm a teacher. I'm not a preacher, you know, and stuff. So, so I need you guys talking to each other um, through the course of, of, of our time together. So my first question is a real simple question, and that is, as we think about these guys, okay, who were they, okay? Who did Jesus choose? So right now, I want you to turn, find somebody, see if you can call the name of all 12 of them, okay? One, two, three, go. If you have to use your Bible, you're okay, okay, in the end. That's all right. It's not called cheating. It really isn't. Nobody's going to give you a grade. All right. Let's, let's see how you did, okay, out loud, okay, from the back to the front. Uh, kind of shout out, or not shout, but, but, you know, say aloud. What are their names? Tell me. Matthew. Matthew. Okay, her, Matthew. James. James. John. John. Peter, Andrew, Mark was not one of them, by the way, um, Judas, Bartholomew, Philip, Thomas, okay, James, actually two James, okay, we're, good. we're really close, really close, okay, let's take a look at them, all right, um, by the way, I'm going to pull from three different stories of how Jesus chose his disciples and, and such, and I'll be uh, referencing those, so we'll kind of be switching back. First group, and by the way, it, when they're listed in the Gospels, they are listed in groups, okay? Same groups, different how they're listed, but same groups. So the first group is the brothers, okay? Simon, Peter, and Andrew, brothers, James and John, brothers, okay? And they were all what? What job? Fishermen, okay? They were fishermen. We believe these guys might have been disciples of John the Baptist, okay, along the way. We probably, of, of the 12, they, they had probably the first connections with really this new thing called uh, following Jesus and, and a new way and, and the way back then. The second group that um, is always listed, and again, not always in the same order if you look in all three sections, is Philip. Bartholomew, and sometimes Bartholomew is also called Nathaniel, Thomas, and Matthew. And of course, Matthew was a tax collector, okay? Absolutely. Um, not well liked by the Jewish people. You've heard the story of Zacchaeus, I'm sure, and, and such. And then the final group, and this is not you know, I don't think ever these are the more important guys, the less important guys, although it's kind of funny that it's always listed. Um, the second James, okay, is the lesser. And, and I'm, okay, why do they call him the lesser? Well, they, they believe <laughs> he might have been like somebody's little brother, <laughs> like that. Uh, 
or literally he may have been shorter, okay? So it's like, oh, there's a little James, um, which I think is kind of funny um, because my granddad always called me little boy. Um, so anytime that, you know, they call somebody little, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what my granddad called me. Um, but, but, you know, hey, here's so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, oh, and there's little James. Um, so I don't know. I think that's funny in the Bible. Um, Thaddeus, also called uh, Lebius, Simon the Zealot, okay, is, uh, is there. And Simon was a zealot for the Jewish theocracy to return. Remember, Rome had overtaken and stuff. So he wanted to see the Roman government be overthrown, looking for a Messiah, coming to do that. I mean, that kind of stuff. So that was his background. That's what he was looking for. And then, of course, Judas Iscariot. And Iscariot, you know, now when we talk about Judas, uh, such a, a, a negative connotation, betrayed Jesus and such. But really, Iscariot meant from Karioth, an area uh, in um, Judea at the time. So these were the 12, okay? Now, what were these guys like? Okay, you know what we talked about it a little bit. These um, guys who were chosen, they were, okay, fishermen. We talked about that already. They were brothers and sons. And of course, um, James and John were also called the sons of what? Okay, right. Sons of thunder could have been because of, of, of a, um, <laughs> that they couldn't get along. Could have been because that they were just really energetic and thunderous in a personality, strong personalities. Um, one of those two ideas is, is maybe it. Um, these guys were emotional, unstable. I mean, you know, Peter, foot in mouth, said it. Oh man, I wish I could take that back. Um, I might get accused of that myself from time to time. I understand that personality. Um, these guys were doubters, okay? Remember the story of Thomas? Let me see your hand. I really want to see where the nails were. I got to see it myself. Um, short in stature, uh, excuse me, a tax collector. Short in stature, we talked about that. Um, a revolutionary and a traitor. To be really honest, these guys were normal. Imperfect. My word, messed up. They, I mean, if I was thinking, okay, I want to get 12 guys and we're going to change the world, okay? Everything that follows from this time that I am with them is going to be dependent upon these 12. I'm going to John the Baptist and I'm saying, give me your A team. Who's on varsity for you? Give me your 12 that have been following you, loyal, all that kind of stuff. I want the best of the best of the best. And this is who Jesus chose. Regular bunch of guys. Some messed up more than others. I mean, these guys were not, they were not powerful. There was nobody who had position except maybe Matthew. Everybody hated him because he was always taking money from everybody. They were not educated, okay? And it's later on, you can see a reference specifically that they said, you know, about two of them, these guys were common, uneducated men. These guys were not religious. There was nobody in the lines of authority in the Jewish faith and realm and priests and all this kind of stuff. There's nobody wealthy. I mean, fishing was, was good money but certainly wasn't anything of power. And even the guy, again, who did have some money and stuff, I mean, gosh, you know, again, position-wise, they just despised him. I mean, there was nobody in this group that was the best. I mean, this was not the cream of the crop. Not at all. 
The truth is that they were just like us. I am comforted when I read who Jesus chose because I'm like, oh man, if they were like that, I might have had a chance at being one of the people he chose when I was there. Because I know how messed up I can be sometimes. I know the crazy stuff I can do. I know what I'm like on my worst. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if there is a best for me. But wow, when I look at that, I might have had a chance of him extending a call to me to come along because I wasn't any different than these guys. In the Old Testament, Samuel was reminded by God, don't look at the appearance on the outside or the height of his stature. Remember, Samuel was choosing the next king. I've rejected those guys that are good looking and powerful and amazing and gifted and stuff. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Here's what's cool. No matter who you are, no matter how you are, Jesus would tell you, God would tell you, you belong. You mean I don't have to posture up? I don't have to, to, to think about what position I need to be in to, to be okay? No. You, you mean that, that I don't have to look a certain way, I don't have to act a certain way, um, you know, that, that, that I don't have to get it all together before I come and, and maybe gather with other followers and such? No. Jesus would tell you, Jesus would have told you, you belong. And maybe this morning, if this is the first time, this is the New Year's resolution, you're trying to get back and, and figure out life and such, or maybe, you know, you've never had a time where, where you said, okay, I, I, I don't know what this Christ thing is and, and stuff. I'm just trying to figure it out. I just would want, to, want you to know this morning, you belong and you belong here. You belong here with us because we're messed up. And all of us at some point or another needed a savior to save us, save us from ourselves, save us from our sins, save us from all of our mess ups. And even later on in the service, you have an opportunity to step back to the next step and, and there'll be some people there who can help you to know maybe if this is your first time or maybe you're at a place in your life where you're like, okay, I've tried everything else. I want to belong somewhere. I want to belong to someone. Maybe this is a better way. And they're glad to talk with you about it to see what that might be like. So this is the who. This is who was chosen. So how did he call them? That's our next question. What's the how? First of all, it was a very physical call, okay? Mark 3, 13 says, and he went up to the mountain and he called to him those who he desired. So literally went to Peter, Matthew, you know, James, John said, hey, want you to come follow me. You remember Matthew went to his booth, said, hey, come follow me. It was, it was a physical, audible, hey, I want you to come join up with us, okay? It was, it was, it was true, okay? Not just send a telegram or anything, those kind of things. It was a selective call, okay? Tons of people following Jesus, tons of people following Jesus. 
Jesus didn't say, hey, you 150 people. Nope. He said, I, want, I just want 12, okay? And probably he said, knowing who you guys are, all I can handle for a three-year period is the 12 of you. But it was a selective call. It, it wasn't to everybody and to everything for that period of time and what he wanted to accomplish in gathering that group together. So it was a, it was a small group. And if you do research on what um, makes good numbers in any kind of group that's going to be effective, it's 8, 10, or 12 people. So he, he was clear about that, that there needed to be a small group of, of guys to invest in. It was an intentional call. It was purposeful. He specifically, specifically went in and invited them to do life together. He intentionally wanted Simon the Zealot. He intentionally wanted little James. He intentionally wanted Bartholomew and, and those Boy, isn't that cool? He says in John 15, 16, let me back up. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that, you, and that your fruit should, be, should abide. He chooses. And he still does. He's choosing us. He's looking and saying, hey, I do want you. I want you. I want you and you and you and you. And I want you, Pat. I really do. On my worst day, God, are you sure you really do want me? Yeah, I really do want you. He chooses us. And isn't that cool? Isn't that cool to know that the God of the universe, out of everything that he's got going on, that he chooses us. He wants us. He is for us. That just blows my mind. Now, so we've got the who We've got the, that, that there is this call to gather together and it's specific and it's intentional. And by the way, you know, maybe this morning you're like, okay, I didn't think that applied to me. Yeah, the purpose of me kind of like talking about that applies to you, it applies to me to maybe gather together. Yeah, nobody's left out. He's extending that call to you this morning. Go back to the next step. We can tell you how a connection point can be. But, but Pat, how does it work? I mean, I mean, I mean, again, you said a few minutes ago, you know, groups are weird and stuff like that. What happens in them? And I've not been in a group or I've been in a group and maybe it was a bad group or, you know, whatever. I mean, how does it really work? Well, let's look at what Jesus did. Um, as we do that, I want to honor my wife, who is a phenomenal chemistry teacher. I've already talked about that. And who talks with her students often about catalysts. Okay, catalyst in chemistry. Now, here's the two definitions. Okay, I want you to look at them closely because I'm going to ask you to put them in your words to somebody in just a minute. Okay, so first definition is a catalyst is a substance that enables a chemical reaction to proceed at usually a faster rate or under different conditions than otherwise possible. Usually faster, better. Okay, second definition is an agent that provokes or speeds significant change or action. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is what happens when we gather together? What are those catalysts of things that spurs people on for better things to happen in their lives? So what are those essentials that need to be there for gathering to work with others? So before we do that, turn and talk to the person beside you. Your words, what would you tell someone a catalyst is? Okay, go. You turn and talk. You turn and talk. So, based on those definitions, what would you say a catalyst is? Okay. Better 
faster, stronger. I feel like I'm talking about the $6 million man. A lot of you guys don't know who the $6 million man is. Lee Majors, 20 years ago. Okay, da 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 right, okay. Um, a catalyst is something that is introduced that makes things go faster, better. So what are those catalysts? Let's take a look at them. What makes groups really work? It says in Mark 13, and he appointed 12 so that they might be with him. Hmm. Then he called 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils to cure diseases. Hmm. So he gave them three things. This is when he's starting out with his guys. His presence, close proximity in space and time, his real attention, real attention, real focus. He gave them his power, strength, force, capacity. And last of all, he gave them his privilege. Privilege being authority, permission, delegated influence. And the truth is, he gives that to us today. If we are willing to follow him, ask him to come in our life, become a Christ follower, he looks and says, hey, one of the things through the Holy Spirit I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you my presence. I will always be with you. I will give you my power. I will be with, um, I will give you my privilege. You can do this. I will give you those things. But here's the problem. We know that, we hear that, we read that, but we don't get that. We don't understand that. That's hard to get our hands around because that's God and he's given. And, but I mean, how does it really, really happen on a life-on-life -life kind of standpoint? Well, in teaching, we call it the gradual release model. So this is how the gifts from God get kind of in and to us in a really meaningful way. And by the way, I'm not saying this is the only way this happens. I'm saying that, remember, these are the catalysts. This is what speeds the process in us growing more like Christ. First of all comes this, it's the I do st uh, stage. It's, okay, watch what I do. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell the 12 disciples. Hey dudes, watch me, watch me. See what I can do, okay? Now, you can do this eventually, but, but watch what I'm doing first. See how to do it right first. We do this in teaching um, every single day in school. Then Jesus said, hey, we're going to do this together, okay? You and I, we're going to go to this place, and, and we're going we're gonna to heal somebody together. We're going we're gonna to minister to somebody together. Hey, we're going to do this thing together um, as, as a group, okay? We're going to be together and do that. And then most importantly, I want you to do. You go try that on your own. You go see if you can do that. Go see how it works out. See if it really happens. See if that power and presence and privilege that I have given you actually works. But what you have been able to do is see it in me. We did it together. And now hopefully you can go and do that on your own, still with my presence, still with my power inside of you. When we gather together, what's true is we could be at any one of those stages. I mean, many of you have been in groups with me. And I mean, you know how crazy I can be. And like, oh man, I can't believe you said that. Or I can't believe you did that. You I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still a work in progress. It has been you who I have looked at and said, 
Wow, I cannot believe that God did that in your life. If God can do that in your life, I know he can do that in my life. There have been other times where I needed people to walk alongside of me to get through a tough spot and be able to make it and such. And then there were other times where I was like, okay, I think I can go do that on my own this coming week and we're gonna come back together and I'm gonna tell you how it went. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. Now that's a lot of do. That's a lot of do. What did they actually do as a result of this interaction? Jesus sent them out to preach the gospel. Tell others about the good news. Jesus sent them out to cast out demons. And boy, I tell you, I, I do believe there's demons. For me, some of the demons that, that are inside of me are, are rejection or, or sometimes the demons are, are other names. Sometimes they're, they're just, just crazy stuff that's in my head that I need to get out. And I mean, I think they're real. I think they're, they're metaphorical. I don't understand all of what that might mean theologically. Got to be honest. Shannon can probably explain that much better than I can. But I do know that they're still around. I know that there's healing that needs to happen of the body and inside of me too. And I know that for some of us, maybe this morning you came, the reason why you're here is, man, I feel like I am done and I'm looking for a new life. Jesus literally told these guys, you can do this. I'm sending you out to do this. I am sending you out to do the impossible. The impossible. But you gotta know, you can't do the impossible unless you change your mindset. What? What are you talking about? I mean, I've seen the impossible. I can do the impossible. But Jesus said, hey, if you're going to do it long term, there's got to be something that changes between your two ears. And this is the why of gathering. And when the day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Now, I want to kind of have a distinguishing part when we look at what the scriptures say. He wanted them to shift from being disciples to become apostles. Now, and you may say, hey, wait a minute, no, 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 no. We're all supposed to be disciples. We're all supposed to, yes, in the context of today, 21st century, we, we are disciples. And that has a different context than what disciples meant way back then. Disciples way back then, in Jesus' day, they were hearers and listeners, okay? Lots of teachers had disciples who came alongside and they listened, they heard, and they listened, they heard, they sat and got, they sat and got, and they sat and got. I call these renters, okay? If you rent, okay, when you, whenever you've rented, you know, something in your life, you're not really worried about whether it works right or not, um, because if it breaks or something like that, you know, you always tell the owner, okay? Um, a, a renter is not the ultimate person responsible for this because you paid a price to use it and that kind of thing, but, you know, you, you don't own it. You don't own it, okay? You're not worried about it. You're not as concerned. You're not as invested. Jesus said, guys, I don't want you just to be disciples. Now, remember disciples in this context, disciples in this context. I want you to be something different. I want you to be an apostle. And the root of apostle means one who is sent out. We call those missionaries now. Doers, owners. Hey, guys, 
just heads up. I'm telling you, I'm leaving this place soon. I'm going away. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming back. I'm leaving. I'm going to send somebody to my place, but I'm going away. I want you to be at a place that you can do the impossible. You've seen what I've done. We've done it together. When I leave, I want you to be able to do it on your own. The impossible. I want you to be an owner. You see, James reminds us, we don't want to just be a hearer because we deceive ourselves when we're only a hearer. And hearing is great. Hearing is great. Coming into this place, listening to Jeff teach every Sunday, man, that's great. That's really, 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 really good stuff. But Jesus says, we want to be doers. I don't want you just to do, see what I did. I want you to do it yourself when I'm not here. The process that he was talking about wasn't information, but it was application and most importantly, transformation. That's what Jesus was shooting for by pulling these 12 guys together. And the question that should follow is, and you know the answer already, but did it really work? Here's what Acts says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They were wowed. They couldn't believe it. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. Yeah. Now, he was gone. Remember, he is gone. They got it. They became owners in that process. And yeah, they were the ones starting this thing that they now call, we call the church. Jesus reminded them before he left, he said, with man, this is impossible. You by yourself, of your own devices, trying to do it on your own, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I am so glad that I can call on the Heavenly Father and, and know that it is possible. But you know what helps me way more than looking at a God that's sometimes hard for me to see and really hard for me to conceptualize and really understand whether or not He's really with me? It's when one of you come alongside of me and you are God with me to help me get to the next step. That's when I know where there is God because God is inside of you and me and we are doing this together and I get it then because we're gathering together and intentionally putting ourselves in proximity to each other to know that really happens. Because of gathering with Jesus and with each other, the 12 knew the impossible could be indeed possible. And real simply this morning, what I'm truly trying to say is, guys and ladies, that's why we are better to gather. This morning, I am so blessed to have these people in my life. Now, this isn't my 
Bible study group, ABF, Sunday school class, any of those kind of things. These people are people from college, okay? Uh, it's Shane and Christy Goodwin, Matt and Stacy Doyle. Matt was my college roommate. He's the guy on the end there. Stacy is his wife on the end. Anna Robinette right there. Uh, all of us are teachers. Uh, one's a pastor, chemist chemistry teacher, kindergarten teacher, guidance counselor, and so on. These are our eight kids, okay? Uh, Whitney and Joey's picture from a while back. Whitney's, uh, excuse me, Joey's down there on the front. Whitney's right there in the middle beside my wife, Jan, who's there and, and such. Now, this isn't, my, this isn't my Bible study group. This is not my, my gathering, focusing on what Christ has to, to say group. This is the group that landed together in Rock Hill in 1996, summer of 1996. We came first and then the others got jobs here and it's just, just kind of hanging out. And in summer of 1996, it was the Olympics because that's always our marker. We made this decision, hey, let's get together for supper. Thursday night, 6.30. With no kids, no kids at all at that point. And from one decision just to gather, We've been doing that for 20, almost 25 years. I mean, Matt and Stacy and their kids were at my house Thursday night. Now, let me tell you what's happened in that process. Anna, right there, uh, beside Matt up top, she is the only person in America who had the kind of cancer she had. And we saw God move and heal through doctors. And we walked through with her through that. We've seen Shane and Christy transition jobs. They don't, they're not with us anymore, they're in Virginia. Navigated through that with them, tough situation of making a move to a, a better position and things like that. And we walked with them through that. All eight kids have had their challenges from time to time. All marriages intact, all kids, <laughs> craziness involved, but most all headed for college, in college, out of college, and such. And that's without a focus. That's just eating supper together. That's just eating supper together. That's without a focus on trying to engage in, in Bible study or, or whatever else. We've seen some impossible things happen just through that. I cannot imagine that kind of investment of time, effort, and energy with others in the context of shifting from disciples to apostles, what that could mean spiritually. This morning, many of us are looking for the impossible to happen in this coming year. We want to see the impossible. It might happen best when we gather. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I just want to thank you first and foremost for so many people who are in this room, who've been in this room, who are going to be in this room, who I have gathered with over all these years who, who've made such a difference in my life and you've made a difference through them to me. And God, I just, I want to thank you this morning selfishly for, for their presence in, in my life and what has happened in me and how I have seen the impossible happen because of, of spending time with them. Father, 
this morning for, for all of us. We're kind of, kind of in different places. And, and, and Father, would you help us to think through what might be the most important question for us even this morning? And folks, in your worship guide is, is some questions for making it personal. And as I talk through these.